Welcome to Radical Rocks. I'm your host Shane and today we've got another exciting episode for you. of different kinds of lapidary materials. We're going to look at the world's largest sapphire cluster. We're going to look at a fortune that was found in someone's backyard. Ammonite and amber. Um, Google Earth to find treasure. Also, many dinosaur stories. And a little story about Cleopatra. But our main topic is going to be on rare lapidary materials. All right, guys, I want to thank you all for tuning in and appreciate all of you who've gone to RadicalRocks.com. Um, you scroll down to the bottom of the page. You've got all our social media. You can connect with us on YouTube, our blogs, all of our social media, and join community of like-minded people. We're helping keep rock hounding alive as uh, we pass this on to the future generations and try to keep areas open for uh, collecting rocks and and just an interchange of information for one another to keep this hobby exciting and alive. The first story we have is a four-year-old girl. I didn't talk about this in the um, intro, but she found uh, reportedly a 220-million-year-old fossil and a, di- a museum display honors her from it. Um, These are some of the best preserved examples of a footprint that have been found. I believe it's in the UK. The article is written by Michael Morin, and you can find it at the dailystar.co.uk. And what she did was she was on a Welch beach, and she spotted a perfect dinosaur footprint. Um, I don't know how they can try to gauge the age of a footprint, but... They feel that they've got a way of doing it. They extracted the uh, footprint from the beach, these uh, archaeological uh, professionals here, and it is now on display there in the museum. And, of course, she's honored this young, young little four-year-old. Her mom, Sally, said, We were thrilled to find out it was really a dinosaur footprint, and I'm happy that it will be taken to the National Museum where it can be enjoyed and studied for generations. Now, just think if she hadn't have found that, um, and it would have got, uh, you know, wore out or or uh, maybe fell off and, and got into the water and been damaged, it would have been lost. So it's it's nice when people find things like this. Um, the article's quite extensive. I think we've talked about this footprint before. 
but certainly a really cool story here. The National Museum of Wales is where it is housed by our friends on the other side of the pond. Next, we are going to look at Cleopatra. You know, back in the day, she was said to have been covered in emeralds like the world had never seen. If you go to golfnews.com, there's an article called Today's Word Search. Emeralds or Paradox, Cleopatra was none the wiser. Um, they uncover the mysteries behind gems that have been loved for centuries in a word search. Written by Sonia Naim, who is the editor there. They've got some pictures of this beautiful Paradox, which to me doesn't look like emeralds at all, but to the untrained eye, um, they can look very jimmy in their greenish-yellow hues. And, um, you know, people of antiquity didn't have the scientific knowledge as much as we do today. So this is very likely that the ancient Egyptians here, they just loved green. That was a color that they felt protected them. And the Egyptian queen Cleopatra loved uh, Peridot, which was called the Gem of the Sun. The beautiful green hue often had hints of yellow. So this is one of the reasons they think that her emeralds were in fact peridots. Um, nobody knows where they are today, but uh, there's the history of it there. And peridot, of course, is a volcanic um, glass which uh, can be found in the deserts here in the U.S. and all over the world, in Hawaii, different places. Now there's a modern crocodile, the grandfather 150 million years old, discovered in the Chile, uh, in a Chile fossil, and this article's at Dunny A News TV, Dunny News TV dot, I guess it's just TV, D U N Y A N E W S, and um, there's nobody credited with the article here, but in Buenos Aires. They found this 150 million year old fossilized skeleton in the mountains of Chile and it is an ancestor of the modern day crocodile they say and um, the deposit was located here by these Chile, uh, Chilean researchers and now resides and is being analyzed at the Argentine Museum of Natural Science which is located in Buenos Aires. And this they consider the grandfather of current crocodiles, and they're studying it. They think it's you know millions and millions of years old. Um, they don't talk about how large it is. The bones don't look incredibly huge from what I'm seeing in the picture. They have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine fragments, um, but some of it definitely looks like it could be some of the bones in the the leg. Um, area so it doesn't look like it was super huge by trying to gauge it from this picture. Now you can learn a lot about the Hope Diamond. The Hope Diamond is a beautiful blue stunning stone but some say it's cursed. Now I know we've talked about this before but it's a fun topic. If you go to mymodernmet.com you can look this up about the Hope Diamond. It's written by Madeline Mutzkes and it was on the 25th. They've got a beautiful picture of it here displayed. This stone is housed in the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History 
and it is one of the world's most famous gemstones, the Hope Diamond, about the size of a wallet, uh, a walnut rather, <laughs> bigger than my wallet, that's for sure. About the size of a walnut, it is a rich, deep blue diamond, once worn by royalty, and they say filthy rich, right? Well, I can tell you something. I'm dirty, filthy, rotten rich, or at least three out of four, right? You figure it out. The Hope Diamond is a rare, colorful stone. Um, it's just amazing. The reason it has the blue in it is because of the mineral that is inscribed, that is uh, also in the diamond that gives it its color. It weighs an incredible 45.52 carats and it is cut in a what they call a cushion cut, which is kind of um, like a kind of elongated, uh, it's not perfectly round, it's kind of elongated um, like a pillow, like a rounded pillow. Beautiful, beautiful stone. They talk about some of the history of this stone. It goes into quite a bit of uh, information about how it was found uh, in India around 1666. A French gym dealer was uh, traveling around. He had the rough cut stone, which at that time was some 112 carats. And um, the diamond was so magnificent that it really deserved a royal setting. So in 1668, King Louis the Fourth or the Fourteenth of France had it cut, and uh, he cut it into a 67 and a 1/8 carat stone. It was worn by the king as a pennant on his ribbon, and uh, there's probably even some old paintings that depict that. But uh, quite spectacular. And then Pierre Cartier and American royalty started to take the stone up uh, at a later day after the French Revolution. The stone was owned by King George IV. Um, then it passed on to several other people. It was downsized um, its weight. And the diamond was owned by Henry Philip Hope. Um, who was a banking heir who died that year. The diamond then passed through the Hope family over the decades until its subsequent sale in 1901. And Evelyn Walsh McLean is shown here, lovely lady pictured in the... Um, she was she lived in from 1886 to 1947. Uh, looks like the picture was taken about 1914, right about the time of World War I. Um, an attractive looking woman here with this beautiful hope diamond draped across her neck um, must have been quite the eye getter this stone became the targeted uh, diamond to have for the rich in the US um, the heir to the Washington Post that uh, we just discussed this lady here who was photographed um, Evelyn Wash McLean was the owner of it for quite some time and then Harry Winston and the Smithsonian were the next um, places that the stone would end up. Harry Winston was a famous jeweler, and uh, he had some some money that was owed to him, and he was able to uh, get the Hope Diamond and uh, from uh, get that and purchase it. And then George Switzer, a mineralogical mineralogicist at the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History wanted the gem and um, he convinced Harry Winston to donate the jewel to the museum. 
Very, very nice. Um, beautiful, beautiful stone. It goes on to talk about the diamond more and more and uh, tell a little bit more history and story on the Hope Diamond. Quite a fascinating gemstone, pun intended. Now, the Tulsa Rock and Mineral Society annual rock, gem, and mineral and jewelry show. Um, this show's over, I believe, but you could look it up at tulsakids.com, tulsakids.com. And uh, Tara Rittler... Uh, wrote an article here about this show and it's really impressive if you want to have a gym show you might want to look at this um, and see how they have it set up they've got a kids zone fluorescent room a rock petting zoo where kids can come in and pet they've got a fluorescent room they've got grab bags and spinning wheels um, other kids zones with kid-friendly activities um, coloring painting a fossil, digging a fossil. I mean, this is really well thought out. They also offer educational uh, literature and activities about rocks and minerals. They have live demonstrations for polishing rocks. Um, they show people how to do it um, using wet, dry sandpaper and baking soda with masks, of course, to protect yourself. Uh, using water, vibrators, lapidary units. They had all kinds of vendors. Um, many displays pictured here. Spheres. They talk about their um, Tulsa Rock and Mineral Society, how the club dues are only $12 a year, 15 for a family. I mean, what a great deal. You can go to TulsaRockAndMineralSociety.org, and they have an about page there. They have a kid area there. Really a great rock and gym club to check out. Now, rock hounding is what we love. And rock hounding with the Copper Country Rock and Mineral Club is super exciting. On upmatters.com, they talk about this. They've got a video there that you can watch. It's by Ben Raymond. It was posted on the 26th of uh, this month. And in um, Michigan... The Copper County Rock and Mineral Club, they've been around for some 60 years, but they've got a great place for collecting rocks and minerals of all sorts. The road trip is called the Keweenaw Peninsula, and you can find some fossils. Um, they have silent auctions at their shows and stuff, but the road trip is like a travel through time. You're going to find possibly copper, silver, epidite, Prionite, calcite, a variety of minerals, but also artifacts. Um, you could find chisels that the miners used from the 1800s, uh, cape chisels. They stand about three feet tall and were found, uh, they found dozens of them there, and there's probably more to find. Um, there's a cliff site that was owned by the Kennewee County, and they have permission to go there, which um, is the site of the Sinecate Mine privately owned, but the owner lets club members use it. So see, being club members has its advantages. Um, Michigan Collection core samples are there if you want to look at those. They have those. They have field trips. We can go see these things. The Michigan Guide to Rocks. Um, they have tours that they lead. Their gym show is going to be August 13th through the 15th at the Huginton Elementary School 
Entry is free. So if you're there in Michigan and you are near that area, you want to talk to the Copper um, Country Rock and Mineral Club. Really neat stuff there that you can go check out. Now, our friends at Fire Mountain Gyms always send me out newsletters. Uh, this time they sent out an article that had all kinds of interesting little topics. One was charm bracelets. They've got the look. They've got the materials. They've got projects. They've got ideas on how to wear it. You just go to firemountaingyms.com, sign up for their news article, and they will send those along. I know I'm always talking about them, but um, I just try to keep your um, creative juices flowing if you are into the jewelry side of rocks and minerals. Uh, I put that out there. And also for new people, because our membership is always growing. So new people listen to this all the time. And uh, we love growing. We love that you're sharing and commenting. Thank you, you guys who've been doing that. Thank you so much. Now, how would you like to find a treasure? With Google Earth on the TaylorDailyPress.net, a couple with Google Earth finds treasure. How much did they earn? Um, written by Alfred Erldia. And they talk about how they did it. These British archaeologists were, you know, during a lockdown, so they started exploring from home, and they discovered something. And they contacted the Museum of Natural History, and sure enough, they found a new site filled with dinosaur fossils, um, and they have already found hundreds of fossils, rare marine fossils, well-preserved sea cucumbers, sea lilies, starfish, feathered stars, more than 150 million years, they claim. Fossils of creatures that are difficult to find because they can only be preserved under certain rare conditions. The value of this treasure, nobody really knows because they're finding new discoveries and things like that. How can you put a price on that? Um, I guess if they're going to sell them, if it if they were able to claim that area or uh, do something like that, then I guess it's however much they make. But uh, definitely valuable to its contribution to science. Speaking of science, on sciencealert.com, the remains of a giant vampire bat are found in an Argentine cave. Now, this uh, jawbone of this bat... They feel it was a little shy, about two feet. They've got a picture description of this huge monstrous bat in a cave. And uh, it would have fed on blood. This was a vampire bat. Um, probably could transmit rabies or other diseases, just like their modern counterparts today. This was only found in South America. And uh, they have not found any other bats like this at that time. They've got the pictures of the little bones there. And... Um, they're not all that spectacular, but there they are. The story of these bats and the megafonda from thousands and thousands of years ago. In fact, these fossils, they call them fossils, they weren't really even completely fossilized. So they say that this fossil could be only like 10,000 years old or maybe up to 100,000 years old. And they don't know why its decline and extinction came about, but probably because of... Um, just the environment changing over the years. Now, we all have talked about amber and all the interesting things that you can find in amber. Uh, you can find 
insects, spiders, lizards, frogs. We've even found that a bird has been in one, a snake, a small snake, all kinds of things. But an ammonite in amber, this has been one of the rarest fossil finds in a long time by Patrick Jones. If you want to go to sciencetimes.com, um, you can find out all about this. It's a beautiful specimen of this ammonite that uh, looks like it's been sliced down the middle, but they say it is preserved in uh, amber, and they found quite a few of them. Am ammonite shells follow the basic design of expanding one cone spiral around a center point and generally flattish spiral that gets thicker with every row. Ammonite shells usually have the following features. Um, ribs that run across the whorls, growth lines, knobs and spherical textures extending from its ribs, spines or protrusions that extend from its ribs tapered to a point, uh, turbicles, a different propulsion extending from the ribs which includes spine bases, keels or structures adorning the outer edge of whorls, spines and lappets or propulsions that extend from the ammonite's shell opening. Very interesting. Um, this formation of their shell led to great strength, enabling the animal to go to greater depths without a pressure change or pressure damage and to be able to propel itself with this propulsion as its modern-day counterpart, the um, Nautilus. Very interesting. This hunk of amber was 33 millimeters long and 9.5 millimeters wide, 29 millimeters high, so not that big. Um, like, I don't even think as thick as your finger and not as big as even your hand. Pretty small, not that big. Um, 40 individual animals immortalized in this chunk of amber, but the most abundant were mites. But here was that anamite. Crazy. Really neat. This resin is a great preservative that uh, they say includes millipedes, beetles, spiders, wasps, cockroaches, and flies. And of course, we talked about some of the other amazing things that could be found in amethyst. There's more about this article if you want to read that. Um, just go look that up. Now, in the news, also, the world's largest sapphire cluster worth $136 million was found in a man's backyard. In fact, they were drilling this well, according to news.com.au. Um, news.com.au. And Debbie White says here that this huge cluster worth uh, $136 million of Australian money um, were moved from a bank safe in Colombo, Colombo under armed guard, says a report from Sri Lanka, um, found by an accident while digging a well. This 2.5 million carat gem dubbed Serendipity Sapphire was found. The lucky owner, Mr. Gam a gauge refused to reveal his first name said the person who was digging the well alerted us about some rare stones later we stumbled upon this huge specimen third generation gym traders informed the authorities about the workers amazing find and uh wow just unbelievable they cleaned the mud off and everything 
and uh, they will be bidding on this. Uh, people will be bidding on this mammoth stone here in the future. And they said it's a special star sapphire specimen, possibly the largest in the world. Given its size and value, we think interest of private collectors or museums. It's 100 centimeters long by 72 centimeters wide and 50 centimeters high. Oh, wow. What a beauty this is. They have a picture of it, but um, it's just kind of in the rough where I saw it, all dirty. Um, actually, this article doesn't have a picture of it here, but I had seen a picture of it on another article. Um, pretty cool. That would be one happy day to find that uh, beautiful gemstone in your backyard, a beautiful blue sapphire. All right. Now for our keynote address, let me grab a swig of coffee. Um, rare and also some common lapidary stones. You know, if you enjoy rock hounding, um, it's finding them. But sometimes, you know, you just you can't travel the whole world. You can't be everywhere. So knowing what's out there and seeing what draws you to be attracted to it um, is fun. It's a lot of fun. And I always enjoy going to the rock shows from real rock hounds, gyms and minerals and things like that. That's what I enjoy doing because that's where you really get the um, the best finds. So one of the stones that is featured uh, that we're going to talk about is from the heathercanyon.com website. And they're actually selling a lot of these. I'm not going to be selling them, but there is some good description on this. Amethyst Sage Agate. This is a, um, amethyst of course is agate uh, or quartz, and amethyst sage agate is from the McDermott Caldera on the Nevada-Oregon border. It is known for the purple chalcedony agate with white dendrites in white and orange uh, or pink nodules. And it is quite beautiful, and uh, little pieces of it do seem to be affordable if that were something you were to be interested in. Another agate uh, or amethyst vein is the sow belly agate from Creed, Colorado. This also is a amethyst lapidary uh, material. The snow sow belly agate is beautifully banded translucent purple amethyst and white chalcedony with a dendric native silver. The material comes from the Last Chance Mine in Creed, Colorado. This is a closed silver mine. The Snowbelly Agate was considered a trash rock to the mine, but a treasure that contains and consists of microcrystalline amethyst and small crystals and druzy pockets. Sowbelly is another name for bacon, um, because the pattern of it somewhat looks like uh, crinkly white bacon fat, but it doesn't look like bacon. It's just beautiful chalcedony and amethyst all together. Um, they also have some Biggs Jasper here. You know that we've talked about that. Um, also, uh, Binghamite Silkstone is a um, cat's eye type chalcedony containing fibers uh, and hematite and this big hematite, which the silkstone is found only in the Cayenne Iron Range near Crosby 
in Crow Wing County, Minnesota. Um, the area has uncovered deposits of the stone, but since mining operations were discontinued many years ago, it's pretty rare and pretty sought after uh, from lapidarius and gemstone people. The stone's pattern is arranged in level lines that make it called the silkstone, and it is quite pretty. Well, bird's eye rhyolite. Um, you've probably seen this. Some people call it bug eye. I've heard some of it called leopard stone. This particular bird's eye rhyolite is from Mexico. Uh, it's from a massive rhyolite deposit that features a spherical pattern of red, cream, gray, and pink colors. Real beautiful, pleasing to the eye. Um, these colors were formed as lava flowed through the stone uh, with uh, probably some silicization. And also, this material is kind of uh, reminding of other beautiful patterned stones that you might like. Blue Hills Poppy Jasper. This doesn't look like a traditional poppy jasper because the dots are much smaller and it also is uh, looking to be quite translucent. It is a type of jasper that forms red-orange flower-shaped patterns in a blue matrix and jasper uh, is part of it. They do not talk about where this Blue Hills is located, um, but it is a beautiful gemstone nonetheless. Red uh, dots and a blue hue. Blue Mountain Jasper uh, is very much looking like a pitcher type jasper. Uh, Blue Mountain Jasper is a quality porcelain jasper from the McDermott uh, Caldera in Oregon, highly sought after with orbs of blue, green, olive, pink, and it takes a great polish. It's associated with the Yellowstone hotspot, um, but in what area is now McDermott on the Nevada and Oregon border, uh, before these erupted, these hot fluids associated with magma were filtered through the existing rocks and deposited this jasper agate and opal. There's many different types of agates that are found in this area. Bumblebee jasper, you have probably seen and heard. Bumblebee jasper is not really a jasper, but uh, it is from magma flows associated with the volcano. And this is in Indonesia on the Pacific Ring of Fire. And Indonesia has some of the most active and largest volcanoes in the world. And the hot fluids that are uh, associated with these volcano volcanoes react to the rock and produce amazing color patterns and that's what resulted in this yellow and black pattern from sulfur and iron minerals. Um, it does sometimes need stabilized. Uh, it is much like the bumblebee uh, jasper which is partially um, uh, a soft material that can break apart easily. Bumblebee jasper also contains sulfur and arsenic, so you want to be careful um, not to touch uh, uh, it with your bare hands uh, while you're polishing it, the dust and stuff. Um, and definitely you don't want to breathe the dust. That would be seriously, seriously bad. Chinese writing stone is a beautiful lapidary material with a black background. Um, this particular Chinese writing stone is found in Auburn, California, and also in some of the regions of the Sierra Nevadas. Chinese writing stone, uh, also known as Chinese letter stone, is a limestone matrix with these 
andalusite crystals that appear with a delightful pattern resembling Chinese characters or writing. The colors range from a very dark gray to almost black to creamy white, both with a slight greenish um, cast. So if you like these, you might also like uh, rocks and minerals from TP Canyon. Uh, you might want to look that up. Now, plissamine plume agate. Um, plissamine is a particular pattern that agate sometimes is enjoying, and we enjoy. But uh, the calaminti was discovered by and mined by uh, Klaus Clemens. It was found in a single vein near, near the famous Agua Nueve agates in Chihuahua, Mexico. It's a moss green with plumes of black plissamine. Um, plissamine was used on, cap on uh, what do they call them? Oh, now I can't think what they're called. Um, camp, camp, oh darn, I'm drawing a blank. But women used to, back in the turn of the century, have these stones where they would carve out a picture of like a Greek goddess and they would put a black stone on the back and there would be a white stone on the front. And when they carved it, it gave the image a beautiful contrast, and plissamine was the stone that was on the back of these um, these decorative jewelry. That uh, this stuff is really brittle to it says, but it can take a nice polish. So I don't know if it needs to be stabilized. I wouldn't think so, but uh, possibly. Dinosaur gem bone. This is a favorite. If you haven't ever spent some time looking up dinosaur gem bone. Um, there are some spectacular specimens around the world of dinosaur gem bone, but uh, the one they have here is from a dolomite um, in the Creaceous period. They feel it could be such creatures as uh, Trianosaurus and Triceratops, but these bones were buried deep underground and ground up with water and broken up into pieces that uh, have these beautiful speckled patterns all over and uh, it's really hard to tell. These type of bones are so fragmented, they don't really know exactly what kind of bone they are unless they were to find a whole one, but they never do. So, um, But it is a beautiful and sometimes can be rare addition to your collection. Let's see, what else do we got here? Gary Green Bog Agate from the Modernic Bog. Uh, bog Agate is a green, very pretty. Graveyard Plume Agate. I have quite a bit of this myself. Um, but you can't get it anymore. Graveyard plume agate is popular plume agate from East Oregon, the Oregon-Idaho border. Uh, the agate chalcedony grows in veins of basalt and lava rock. Plumes with cream-colored and dendrites. Chalcedony agate that encloses them can be pale blue or amber in color. I've seen it all different shades of blue and other things. Indian paint stone, um, amazing gemstone. Indian paint stone is from the Death Valley also called Death Valley Paint, Navajo Blanket Stone, comes from the Death Valley area of California. Um, no longer collectible in this area. You can't get there. They've got it closed off. It's a sedimentary rock, um, but does take a polish. It has trace amounts of iron, magnesium, and uh, it is beautiful. You get a satin sheen rather than a glassy polish. You can also might like Ahi uh, Pitcher Jasper or Biggs Jasper if this is something that uh, is desirable to you. Of course, jade is another beautiful gemstone that can be found. Moss, agate, um, 
uh, Motorolite. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Motorolite, but uh, Motorolite is a chrome chalcedony from Zimbabwe, uh, a small mining town. Uh, Motorolite is similar to chrysophase, but the green color uh, is kind of a bluish, light bluish hue to it is due to chromium rather than nickel. And you may see it called metrorodite or metrolite. Um, so it takes a beautiful polish. If you've never heard of this, you might want to check that out. It's uh, spelled M-T-O-R-O-L-I-T-E. Uh, let's see if we have any more cool gemstones to share with you. Uh, the the Potowski stone um, is a beautiful pattern. If you have not seen the Potowski stone, this is very popular because of its patterns. It is uh, coral colonies that have uh, hexagonically formed. They're from Michigan uh, near Potowski, uh, Potowski, P-E-T-O-S-K-E-Y, Michigan. And you can find these below Lake Michigan. They get washed up on the shores during the spring shores and uh, are very collectible. The coral size of the hole is where the animals lived and where they are. These uh, are quite beautiful. You would want them. People make bullet ties out of them, uh, belt buckles, things like this. Picasso marble uh, is actually quite easy to work with, but uh, takes a beautiful shine. Picasso stone, Picasso jasper. It's a marble. It's a metamorphous limestone with calcium and magnesium and carbonic materials, uh, carbonic, and uh, it can fracture and sometimes, but it has a beautiful marble and uh, abstract look that resembles a Picasso work of art. Um, picture jaspers. Have you ever heard of pudding stone? Not putting stone the park, but putting stone the lapidary material. This is a conglomerate or a brocaded piece, which is actually a bunch of pieces that broke up and then kind of glued back together. Um, it looks like a kind of a plain Janer, but it's kind of interesting. A red uh, kind of a brick color with these white broken pieces all through it. Uh, it is containing jasper fragments from Michigan. And occasionally, rare materials like diamonds and gold are found in this Michigan pudding stone. So it is a real conglomerate. You just never know what you'll get in the pattern or in the conglomerate materials that are in it. Let's see if there's anything else that would be fun to look at. Um, some wild horse pitcher jasper. There's also wild horse magnetite from uh, also known as the wild horse turquoise. Um, some people say different names for turquoise, but this is the actual wild horse magnesite, wild horse turquoise. Not the same as the buffalo turquoise. This is from a magnesite, uh, you know, deposit near Globe, Arizona, and it is not turquoise. It does not have copper. It does not have blue or green. It's just a white with a, a dark brown. A matrix, a chocolate brown hematite matrix with uh, antique white plumes of magnesite that resemble a, uh, a pinto, a wild horse. That's where it came up with the name wild horse is because of that pattern. Um, all right, um, what else? Thermalite. Uh, have you ever heard of thermalite? This is one that I had not heard about 
or maybe it's Tremolite. I don't know. It's T-R-E-M-O-L-I-T-E. And uh, Tremolite is a metamorphic material that had contact with magma and surrounding rocks like limestone. It has calcium, iron, magnesium, silica, uh, closely related to actinolite, although it is a light-colored and, and uh, not green usually. It can be have some fibers in it and have a cat's eye material. Again, this is something you definitely would want to take extra precaution and not breathe. Anything with fibrous um, goodies in it, you don't want to breathe. How about yellow feather jasper? For our last one, yellow feather jasper is a type of jasper from Utah. Jasper is a microcrystalline quartz and the yellow to red colors are due to iron inclusion. Sometimes it can just be yellow with dendrites, magnesium oxide, Beautiful, takes a good polish, and uh, all of those stones that we talked about you can find on heathercanyon.com and more. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Go to radicalrocks.com, join our social media, share, like, do all that good stuff, and remember, rockhounds don't die, they petrify.